to Write That Down, hosted by Nate Ulrich and myself, Jacob Novak. This is a podcast where two everyday creative people try to break through the noise and do creative things. Today, we're tackling burnout, something that's prevalent just about everywhere. We define the syndrome, discuss its symptoms, and give our own coping and preventative measures. Then, we'd follow up on our previous discussion on equipment upgrades. So, let's get into it. All right, Nate. So this week we're taking kind of a, a not a drastic turn, but a turn nonetheless from the fun, nostalgia-filled episode from last week with Xander and Grace and and Jacob. Now we're talking about burnout, which is a uh, a little less fun, I guess you could say. Yeah, you're you're right about that. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because. You know, we're, I think we're fairly new into the creative world. I mean, yes, we've been doing it for five plus years, including the stuff we did in college and high school. But for a lot of folks out there listening who, who may have been in the industry, in the creative industry longer, or been doing creative things longer, they, they might be listening and say, Oh, you youngins, you have, you have no idea what burnout is. Right. Uh, and, uh, let's be honest, you know, maybe we've experienced something like it, but have we experienced total creative burnout? I don't know. And that's something that we'll get to today. And and that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I think this is somewhat similar to our discussion on imposter syndrome where uh, burnout, I think, is, is something that, you know, just about anyone can deal with, regardless of whether you're in oh, yeah. a creative field or you're working in an office job or or you're in the service industry it's kind of one of those universal yep. things but but not everybody has the same definition for it would you would you agree with that I, exactly i would i would agree with that and i i would also agree that whatever definition we come up with right now or that we've we've found uh a key word to that is exhaustion and every human has has felt exhaustion on on different levels right right yeah, and and exhaustion is a word that I I have here. So I, I pulled up the World Health Organization, uh, that little thing. Oh, uh, they have a definition of burnout, uh, that I thought would be a good kind of just trendsetter for right, us. Go for it. Uh, so just on their website, they say burnout is a syndrome conceptualized as resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. It is characterized by three dimensions and they have the feeling of energy depletion or exhaustion, uh, increased mental distance from one's job or feelings of negativism or cynicism related to one's job and reduced professional efficacy. Uh, and so I, th- I think that a big part of it is just that that feeling of exhaustion and and just day in day out. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I was doing more research, I I can't place on where I read this, but they were talking about you know if a way to know that you're feeling burnout is if every day feels like a bad day. Mm. Uh, and I think that that's kind of just the overarching uh, umbrella term uh, for that is uh, to characterize the those three kind of focal points. Right. Right. So, so in short, for somebody like me, who that long winded definition doesn't help for me, (laughs) right. It's a physical or mental collapse, right. Caused by overwork, stress, basically what you just said, just in more simple terms for myself. So it's like when you, you just quit caring about your creative work, right. That's what we're trying to focus on in this show is that when you go to do something creative and you just have nothing there, that is, you know, a symptom of burnout. Yeah. And symptoms is, is, a key word there because there are uh, a lot of different kind of signals uh, that you can see if you're 
feeling burnout or you're seeing someone else suffer from burnout. Uh, and I have up here, uh, some symptoms, uh, there are physical signs like feeling drained or tired most of the time. Uh, they mentioned lowered immunity or frequent headaches and change in sleep habits and things like that. Uh, but things that I think you might notice more, uh, is the emotional, uh, kind of mental signs, Uh, where it's that feeling of self-doubt or failure, or as from that uh, who definition, you know, the the feeling of cynicism and, you know, having that negative outlook and, and motivation, uh, just having trouble finding the, the drive to, to get your work done, uh, and just that detachment from, from the work that you usually love putting right. in. I, th- I think it's, it's good to recognize all of those different kinds of things. Yeah. I guess symptoms is still the word I would yeah, use, uh, but yeah, certainly, yeah, and and I think it's important also that we we figure out that you know it's really a thin line between you know pushing yourself to gain momentum on a project, and we could absolutely talk about how that's important for any sort of creative project or anything is gaining momentum and pushing yourself and you know getting up early and having that urge to do something and completing it, but that is also a fast track to. To burnout. So, so we really should be talking about, you know, what is the difference between burnout versus lack of motivation and how do we distinguish these things and how do we, you know, hold ourselves accountable to start projects, put all of our effort into projects and complete them, but without, you know, finding ourselves in a position where we no longer uh, care about you know, the creative work we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely think that that is a good thing to point out because there is a difference between like, if I tell myself, uh, at 10 PM, uh, I'm okay. I'm going to wake up early tomorrow and I'm going to go on a run and I'm going to come back home and I'm going to, you know, do some brainstorming or I'm going to write five pages before I eat breakfast or something like that. And then I wake up and then, I think actually, you know what? Uh, watching some Parks and Rec sounds good, <laughs> and just the the lack of motivation uh, being more procrastination yeah. based, yeah, yeah. Uh, in, instead of you know just the uh, I can't put myself in the headspace mentally to to do what i need to do right now yeah oh, so i'm i'm curious i mean you did preface this with yeah we are some young hip 24 year olds <laughs> what do we know about burnout uh i say hip with v- huge quotes by uh-huh. the way uh-huh. uh and uh but i mean i don't think that necessarily negates any any experiences that we might have had and i actually i'm not sure uh the answer to this, but what experiences do you have, if any, with burnout? Well, well, certainly, um, my experiences are going to be very different from other people's experiences, especially when you put COVID, uh, and, and the pandemic in, in factoring this, because I'm, I'm certain, uh, that, you know, the college, a lot of college students are, are really feeling the brunt of, uh, you know, the pandemic and their, their, you know, creative endeavors, but, Right. You know, I think the closest time I experienced something like burnout was actually in school where I was trying to balance, you know, all of these different classes that weren't necessarily um, 
using my creative potential. There were a lot of paper writing and a lot of research and stuff like that, which I loved. I mean, I, I really enjoyed that type of work, but, but that meant that I had less energy to focus on my projects, which probably was more of a motivation thing now that I'm thinking of it. But, but for me, my experiences are actually going to go into our next talking point, which is project burnout versus total creative burnout. And for me, most of my burnout has been individual project burnout where I've been working on, let's say, um, you know, something relevant. Let's say it's a commercial for um, a senior care center. You know, we just did one of those a couple, couple months ago. And, you know, we're spending weeks on end gathering content and creating these, these commercials. Uh, and, you know, by the end of that, you're just you know, you create something really awesome and you're, you're very proud of your work, but by the end, it's just, it's like, ah, I don't know if I can do another one of these videos. And right. then, you know, a couple weeks later, you're, you're ready to go rip roaring and ready to go. Um, so I think I can, I think I can use the, the young and naive, uh, creator, uh, as a crutch, uh, for this question, because, <laughs> you know, my personal experiences, I just, I don't think I have really felt the, the worst symptoms of complete and utter creative burnout what about you yeah i i think it's interesting uh to break it up in in the project burnout versus total creative burnout uh yeah i think a lot of what people our age might experience is is the more project burnout oriented thing like i think of uh my senior year or our senior year i guess um I mean, we talked about last week all of those like fun memories that we had in our last semester doing the Wyman and everything like that, and that was a total blast. Uh, despite any you know technical hiccups like the hard drive dying and things <laughs> like that that we have talked about on other episodes, but it still was an extremely stressful time, and I think I was feeling burnout, just not necessarily for the Wyman, but for all of my other work because yeah. we were still full-time students oh, yeah. and uh and still had you know a couple jobs that we were doing as well at the same time and uh Wyman was consuming most of my life at that point uh and so just when I would sit down to write okay I have three papers to do this week on top of filming and then starting to cut together all of this footage I would you know freeze up and it would be so hard for me to actually get that other work done uh, to the point where that was probably my first experience with uh, panic attacks. Uh, I mean, to get, you know, a little more real Mm -hmm. than we already are Mm -hmm. is, is yeah, that, that was a a hard time of just getting that work done that I just didn't have the mental capacity necessarily to do. I mean, I guess I did because I got it done anyways. Certainly. Uh, Absolutely. Right. But, it, but it was just such a struggle to, to get it done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was more of a, a case uh, of that project burnout because it was very specifically, I'm doing this 40 odd minute movie on top of my classes and on top of my job, which won't always be the case. Uh, for whatever projects that you have going on. Uh, But on the other end, for total creative burnout, uh, I think I felt something akin to it after graduation, Mm -hmm. actually, uh, because I was coming off of that why men post-graduation high, ready to get a job, uh, and then 
the job didn't happen as fast as I would have liked it to. And <laughs> the thoughts of, oh, well, I'll build up my portfolio uh, of writing samples in the meantime as I'm applying mm-hmm. and interviewing for jobs and things like that. Mm-hmm. But it just got harder and harder as I as time went on because I wasn't getting a job and I was just, you know, getting in that low motivation, right. uh, high stress mind space because – if I couldn't get a job, what was the point of doing a project? Because it wouldn't be good anyways. Exactly. Uh, and I sort of got in that rut. That was a year before the pandemic. Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, that was definitely probably the closest I felt to uh, that, you know, total creative uh, version of burnout that, that you talk about. Yeah. yeah. I find it interesting. You said something about, you know, it's like kind of like an internal debate of, is my work worth anything? And if it's not, what is the purpose of doing it? And then you find yourself in that loop or that circle of, you know, how do I find motivation? If, if my work, I don't think my work's good enough. And then, and then it keeps circling and circling, circling. And then, you know, I hope, I hope that by the end of the show, we can sort of find ways to either get out of that circle of, horribleness yeah the, uh, the paradox the pair there you go the to, to use good good words like that the paradox but you know <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's it is fascinating it, it is fascinating because it is internal right and especially uh stuff like this is exas- exacerbated by uh by covid and by not being around the same people you were in college and and uh you know there's a real it's really difficult once you graduate and you don't have something lined up and you have to find the motivation and you have to believe in yourself to start creating that portfolio. Once you're not getting graded on the project, you're not getting paid for it. Yeah. And those are two like big, I guess to use the word motivators, those are two big things that force you to be your most creative because somebody's either grading you and it's important that you get a good grade on the project or someone's paying you and you're representing yourself and your work. And when you don't have those two factors, how are you supposed to create the best creative stuff that you right. can? Yeah, yeah. And and I do want to want to circle back to uh, another article that I found. Look at me with all this prep work I put in. Look at us. Look at us like doing a lot of circling, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The circle, Lots of paradoxes the, all yes, around. The circle of doom <laughs> as I'm talking about it and the circle yeah. of information Jacob's talking right, about. Right, yeah. Because, I mean, because, you know, we are talking about a lot of... Circles. You know, doom and gloom kind of, yeah, <laughs> circles, right. yeah. A lot of uh, doom and gloom kind of things. Yeah. And it is easy to, you know, just talk about the bad. That's right. And it is. Right. It's, it's not a fun thing, but I think... Similar, like I said, to imposter syndrome, it, there is an element of knowing thy enemy, I guess, is the way to put it. Uh-huh. Uh, and so I had found a an article from this blog called This Is Calmer. Uh, that's all about mental well-being uh, and things like that. And they, they talk about uh, the five stages of burnout. And they say I, I didn't get a chance to read the original uh, research that they're citing here. They say it's inspired by Winona State University, mm-hmm. um, who did a study on burnout. Uh, but so they have five stages, uh, and I think it it might be good to to go through 
uh, these uh, just real quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so the first one, uh, I think this is uh, more in line with the concept of project burnout that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they say stage one is the honeymoon phase uh, and it's the undertaking of a task. Uh, you're excited to take on the new role or a new project and mm-hmm. just the, the energy of starting out on this grand new adventure or whatever it is. Right. Um, and so in that honeymoon phase, you're starting to feel the initial stresses mm-hmm. uh, of the job. And common symptoms include, uh, as they talk about, uh, the compulsion to prove yourself, trying to accept as much responsibility as possible. Uh, in that you know journey to prove yourself in this new role in this new exciting project that you're working on that is followed by the onset of stress uh which is the beginning stages of an anxiety and fatigue and irritability and and the shifting of your sleep schedule and uh you know reduced sleep and and headaches and things like that mm-hmm. um followed by chronic stress mm-hmm. is, is stage 3 uh, which is where it really starts to eat into your time for hobbies and and it starts to really exhaust you. And so those are the, the first three steps that they talk about uh, before stage four becomes burnout itself, okay. uh, where everything's more critical. And like the World Health Organization definition talks about the headaches, the uh, lowered immunity, mm-hmm. uh, the pessimistic cynical outlook on life and, and things like that that's state that stage four is when that doubt and exhaustion uh really uh creeps in uh-huh. uh and then five uh they say is the final stage of burnout and they call it habitual burnout which is kind of the the lowest point that you might be in in that syndrome of of burnout and just kind of Every day is a bad day and depression and, and mental fatigue and all those things that we talked about. Right. Sorry if that was a little rambly. No, I mean, well, yes, but no. <laughs> uh, at what? So my, my question, and, and this is a personal experience, is that, you know, when I spend a lot of time, do a lot of work on a project, right? And, and this question, I want to know where you think this lands on how I feel. I spend a lot of time, I put a lot of energy into a project and I send it out for feedback. And then the person emails back and says, great start. And then there's 10 bullet points of all the things (laughs) that I need to change. Yeah. And then I go back and do it and I change it and then, and, and, and I re-edit some music and I re-edit to what it needs to be done and edit, edit, send it back out for feedback. Oh, this is a great second draft. Once you see the word second draft, you're like, oh, right. Yeah. What am I getting myself into? And maybe this is just the normal, normal life of a video editor, video producer, lots of drafts, lots of stuff. But I feel like when you put so much time and energy into something and yes, getting creative feedback is super important for the development and maturity of, of your work. But at some point, and we talk about this with imposter syndrome, we talk about this with, with a lot of other, you know, uh, mental fatigue and stuff like that. At some point, external factors play a huge role into your own burnout, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so when I am experiencing that, and I would probably say that's probably more of like a project burnout type thing, a specific project burnout, I wonder where on that list I I fall because the rest of the day, how I'm feeling is going to 
completely impact, you know, or be influenced by that creative feedback. And so maybe it's just like the cherry on top of, or the, the icing on top of the cake. If I'm having a bad day, it can spiral into something worse. And then I have a bad week and then the rest of my creative work just isn't there. It's just, it's fascinating that it can kind of spiral into something with external factors uh, that, that influence your own, your creative work. Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, in that example, I, I think the feedback giver is an external factor because if the person giving you feedback is uh, not giving you feedback in, in the most constructive way, that can worsen your your feeling of anxiety or stress or burnout or whatever uh, because maybe it's an email and you can't read tone or anything. So you're just seeing this list of everything they thought was wrong with the video. Yes. Uh, and, yes. and, uh, there is such an important element of, you know, maybe the, maybe the other person, the, the client or the coworker is trying, trying to be constructive, but not presenting their, their criticisms in, in the best, most productive way. And I, I think, uh, those kinds of ex- external factors can, uh, definitely be huge, uh, impacts on, your burnout as a whole. Right. That's just, I think that's interesting to say because it, you're going to experience it. I mean, we've experienced it. We're 24. We're going to experience it the rest of our creative lives. Uh, but for the younger folks out there, the folks in college, it's, it's going to happen. And if it hasn't happened yet, get excited because it will happen. <laughs> but, uh, but I do want to end this sort of segment with the fact that, you know, these are our, mine and yours, Jacob, our limited experiences. And that really burnout is subjective. And I don't, I don't want to say that my burnout is uh, worse than yours, right? Or that somebody else's burnout is worse than theirs, because there are so many other, and like we said earlier, there's so many other external factors that really contribute uh, greatly to how bad your creative burnout is. Yeah. Yeah, and I think comparing your burnout to someone else's is an easy way to just fall down a rabbit hole even further. Yeah, I I think it is important for everybody to acknowledge that it's all subjective and, you know, you have a right to feel how you feel. You don't need to constantly be qualifying it uh, based off of other people's experiences, which is something that I do a lot. Uh, So I'm a little bit of a hypocrite, but at least I acknowledge it. Jacob, we all are. We all are. And if you say you're not, well, we have a lot of growing up to do. During our break, we just wanted to thank everyone for their support and kind words since we started this podcast. We've been having a lot of fun putting it together, and it makes it that much better when we hear from you. And that's why we want to encourage you again to keep interacting with us through our email, askwtd at gmail.com. If you have any topic suggestions or questions for us, just send them in and we'll answer and shout you out on the show. Once again, that email is askwtd at gmail.com. Anyways, let's get back to it. All right, Jacob, so we've talked a lot about you know, symptoms of burnout are some of our experiences. Um, but you know, I'm interested in, in how you have perhaps coped with burnout or how you've tried to prevent, prevent it in the first place. 
so what are some things that you've uh, experienced or done uh, while you were in college and post-graduation to either get through burnout or, or try to prevent it uh, altogether? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting because, you know, I was thinking about uh, that time after graduation where it was just super hard for me to, to get anything done. And I was trying to pinpoint the moment when I was actually able to start working uh, and start writing. It was probably Loser was probably the first thing that I really actively started developing uh, post-burnout. Uh, and I was trying to find where I got that energy from. And I think part of it is uh, surrounding yourself with a hype man. <laughs> or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like, like Pete, not necessarily the overly positive, even when it's not due kind of thing. But, you know, I mean, our good friend Evan, uh, who is on the podcast in episode seven. Well, I didn't realize that that rhymed. We really planned that out well, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, like when I would send him my outline for what I thought loser would be or some other project and he would get excited for me or Harry helps me out with this as well our, our good friend Harry I mean honestly you and and really our whole friend group uh, is great about just being so supportive uh, and I think that that's the key word is support and just making sure you have a uh -huh. support system around you who can acknowledge any troubles that you may be having and be able to, to help lift you up out of that hole. Uh, I, I think that that's probably mm -hmm. the, the big thing for me. Uh, and you know, just that, that sense, that sense of, uh, Hey, you're on the, you're on the right track, uh, is, is just a, such a, oh, a yeah. good rope to use to climb out of that hole. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and when you can, when you have good enough friends and you've built rapport with them, and and you can be positive and understand the situation, you can read the room. Uh, you can give creative feedback. I mean, you can give feedback. Like you could say, like if your project really needs some work, I mean, I would tell you it, but I would also make sure that you. We're not seeing it as, like we said earlier, you're not seeing it as a complete, um, like saying your work is crap, right? Right. Uh, and so having a, a solid group of friends that 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 can can be both um, truthful but also encouraging is super important. Is super important. And so yeah, I like that. The hype man. I like that. The the early two <laughs> thousands hip hop music. Hype man, <laughs> and that's what yeah. Evan Quinter is, and that's what my my friends are when I show them my work and stuff like that. I I like that. I love that, Jacob. Yeah, I think it's important to to have that around, definitely. Uh, yeah. And it's also important, I think, to uh, try to reframe your work uh, in your own mind because it's important to not rely on other people to pull you out of the yes. burnout as well. That's yep, uh, yep. Yep. And so, I mean, we, we talk about just the, the feeling of your work not mattering in the grand scheme of things because it's not going to be good and you're in that rut and things like that. I, th I think it is just important to take baby steps, I think, is, is a good way to start mm -hmm. uh, of 
Okay, you're not going to get from point A to point D in a day. So just just start with point A to point B or even A point two, you know? Yes. <laughs> just yes. give yourself some room and give yourself some credit to uh, balance things out a little more uh, mm-hmm. and just, you know, even taking the smallest amount of time to organize your mind in how you're going to approach a project, I think is a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and so going into kind of the things that I do to prevent burnout, it really harps on exactly what you said. I mean, routines are, are so important. So part of my creative workflow is figuring out what my end goal is and working backwards, organizing, setting up my shots, knowing what I need to get, knowing exactly what the client needs, know exactly what uh, we need to tell the story, the narrative, whatever we're doing and working our way backward, right? It's working our way backwards. Yeah. Where, what is the final project and, and how do we start? And then, and then, and then once we work our way backwards, we can then work our way back forwards and start to polish. And so the routine is good. I, I know exactly how the project's going to go, or at least in my mind, I know it's how it's going to go. It never goes the same way as planned, but that's, that's part of, working in, in a creative field. So right. routines. Uh, uh, also, the other thing I think is important is, you know, doing some sort of, you know, walking or, or mind exercises while you're walking. So so maybe it's you, you stop doing your work. You can feel a sort of burnout coming. You, you, you can see that you're no longer interested in, in what you're doing. You just take to stop. Your mind will continue to think about your work whether you want it to or not. But if you're not looking at that screen, if you're not physically sitting at a desk, you know, continuing to try to work, uh, I, I think it's best if you just, just stop and, and try to take a walk, try to try to get the, the blood flow and try to try to do whatever you can to take your mind off that specific work. But in the back of your mind, it's still going to be cranking out like ideas of how, how to do that stuff. And once you, once you stop looking at that screen with all the prompts and all the stuff that you're supposed to be doing, once you stop doing that, your brain can finally like, at least this is for me, my brain can fi- finally just do its own creative swan f- taking off from the <laughs> lake, right? To go back to the swan thing. Creativity is like sure. a swan fly, right? It's kind of <laughs> ugly, but but once it does its thing, like the swan in the lake is really pretty. The swan flying, I guess, I think swans fly, right? The swan flying <laughs> is really pretty, but I, I'm, I'm sure that the swan going from sitting in the lake to flying isn't pretty. Or when the swan you know, flies and then goes into the lake, it isn't pretty. Sure. So it's those transition points. So go for that walk. Let your mind transition from staring at the prompt or staring at the, the timeline or whatever you're doing Yeah. And, and allow it to do the work outside of that. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's something I was thinking about is usually in, in most cases, nothing good will get done if you're just sitting at your desk trying to force your way through a project. Yes. Right. Uh, right, right. Obviously, right. deadlines exist and things like that. <laughs> so, you know, the job has to get done at some point. But if you're just sitting at your desk 12 hours on end waiting for something to happen or for something to click in your mind, it's just going to push you further back <laughs> down. And yeah. so I think taking those breaks to go on a walk or just to relax or do something you enjoy uh, outside of that project, I, I think yeah. is, is really important. Um, and I think that that's also the routine aspect also is important if we're talking about preventative measures, 
yeah. uh, for burnout because these are all good for coping if you're already in the burnout state of yeah. mind. But the the routine is also a key factor in trying to stave away burnout as much as possible because you you have a plan for how the day is going to go and things might not go as expected uh, from moment to moment. Uh, but you at least have an idea of how your day is going to go and how much time you're going to spend sitting at your desk and then how much you're going to do relaxing. I think that that's a, a, a big part mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this is going to go back. I That's why when I need some of that motivation, when I need something to sort of get me out of zoning out mode, which isn't ever good for creativity zoning out. I don't think at least in my, my work, <laughs> I, I put on that the the music without the words sort of that cinematic music right and and that allows me to either either just listen to the beauty of the music or it allows my brain to think of oh what kind of shots look cool with this it allows me to really do anything that I need I can fall asleep to it I can focus and do a lot of writing with it I I just use it as a tool for any sort of uh, transition or any sort of uh, break or anything like that between any work that I do. And, and that's just a tool that I keep in the back of my pocket just in yeah. case. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one more thing uh, for me, at least for uh, the preventative measures, I think is also similar to the hype man, but just having those collaborators uh, or people you can turn to for feedback uh, because if I'm writing something or, or I'm editing something, just sitting there and trying to resolve the issue in my head for hours might, as we talked about, turn me more towards the burnout side. So before you can let that take over and the feeling of frustration of not knowing the answer of where you're going to go from here, I think just having those people to turn to, uh, for feedback to see what they think is, is important part because, I, I think a lot of burnout is just having these negative emotions and frustrations just marinating in our heads mm-hmm. uh, without mm-hmm. turning to anyone else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I th- just the, the simple act of talking to someone else about it is is going to help you out and, and get a different perspective. Yeah, marinating is good for two things. One, all sorts of meats or tofus. And two, <laughs> the time between having your first COVID vaccine and your second one. <laughs> And stopping burnout. And stopping, there you go, and stopping burnout. So three things. Three things, I like that, I like that. All right, Jacob, uh, on that note, I think we should go to our question. Sure, yeah, uh, kind of a hard turn away from burnout. Uh, Which is good. Obviously, yeah, yeah, burnout is, is a- We did this on purpose. Not fun thing, yeah. <laughs> burnout, burnout can be tough, and so hopefully, you know, we can help someone if they're, if they're feeling in that rut- uh, mm-hmm. but just, just to turn us away for, from that and into a, a more positive and, and physical practical thing, we actually have a question, mm-hmm. uh, that is somewhat related to our episode way back. Uh, I think it was episode four, uh, when we talked about equipment and when we're upgrading, uh, we have a question from Polly from Phoenix, uh, and she says, I have a budget of $1,500, and I'm trying to decide between a new camera and a kit lens or a cheaper camera and a higher-end lens. Do you have any advice on which way I should go? Uh, and Nate, I, th- I think you definitely have uh, 
some good perspective on mm. on this kind of thing. Well, that's a that's a great question. I mean, I think a lot of us out there are asking that when we're trying to get our first piece of equipment. I mean, without really knowing much more, uh, without knowing if it's for video or for for photography or for, you know, are you looking for a certain type of look or anything like that? You know, I think at this point, it's just so, so important that you get whatever camera is available. You know, you're probably going to be looking for a DSLR. You're probably going to look for a mirrorless camera. One of the two, I mean, they can, they can get pretty, pretty cheap nowadays because um, compared to, you know, several years ago. But $1,500, I mean, you can get a solid camera and use the kit lens and then make do with the lighting and make do with some of the other things. Um, I mean, Jacob, some of some of the work on Wyman, I mean, you're definitely using uh, sort of consumer grade, maybe tipping the point of prosumer with with the uh, the kit lenses. And you just had to right. you just had to really know the limitations of the equipment. Right. And so for me, uh the the lens or in in the hip terms of you know videography the the glass right having a good piece of glass is very important <laughs> you know the other hip terms like having a fast piece of glass so having a a, a a lens that can open up really wide the aperture can open up the f-stop can open up really wide uh to allow more light in right so some of these things are can really be beneficial um you know as your you know, if you don't have very good lighting and you want to be able to shoot in low light, you know, but that's, that's when you get into the more expensive stuff. My, my short answer to this question, and I'll let Jacob have a crack at it is get, get whatever camera will work for the job, learn how to use it, master it. And by the time you've mastered that camera, you're, you're, you'll be able to be getting freelance jobs and you'll be able to support to, you'll have the support, the monetary support to, to, to upgrade. Right. And if, if you have questions about upgrading, go back to that other episode. Cause we, we talk about when to upgrade and, and how to know when to upgrade and what equipment we need, but whatever camera you can get for the job, go for it, do your research, uh, and master that camera, do what you can yeah. with the camera. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Cause I mean, I'm, I was in a similar spot last year and I guess I still am because uh, I'm still, you know, doing my research to see what I'm going to, what camera I'm going to buy next. Uh, but yeah, I think the camera is more important to start out with and learn because that's what, that's what you're going to be stuck with for the, the time being. So you can have all these fancy lenses, but then if you're dealing with this old 2005, whatever, I mean, that's an extreme you case. Just made, you just made a lot of older folks listening to this show. <laughs> Old 2005? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, but but you know what I mean? Like, yes, for sure, for sure. The the camera is more the, the, the backbone that you need to have uh, and, and establish. And like you said, mastering that equipment before you mm-hmm. really go into the, the higher end multiple lenses kind of thing. Uh, and you know there is still a lot you can do with the the lens that comes with the kit, uh, and I think being able to understand your limitations with the equipment you have is you know also key just as a learning experience. And I think you you'll learn a lot more with uh, a better camera and the kit lens than you will with a bad camera or a cheap camera and mm-hmm. and a higher end lens. I think there's. Mm-hmm. There's a, a higher ceiling for the former. Right. right. Well, good luck, Polly. 
Sounds yeah. like you have a lot of fun. The the, the most fun part, and, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Jacob, and a lot of the other creators out there who do video and photography, once you start going down the rabbit hole of gear, you know, oh my goodness, yeah. there is, you, you just want everything. You always want to have, you always want to get a better camera. You always want to get a better piece of glass. You want to get a better lens. You want to get a, blah, 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 blah. It's like, it's addicting. Like, you got to yeah. get a better mic, get better audio quality. Got to get this, got to get... <laughs> Got to get better color grading LUTs. Got to get all this stuff. It's like, it's actually kind of fun, but it's very expensive. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. But it's fun. It's fun. Yeah. You're, you're, that's a fun adventure you're, you're going to go down. Yeah. It's it's always exciting to just get that, that, new, that new thing in the mail. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, how about we take an even brighter turn and go into definitely not procrastinating. Ooh, I like this. I like this. All right, Jacob, mine's going to be short today. My definitely not procrastinating uh, actually is another podcast. Okay. I, I stumbled across it. I don't know. Earlier this week or earlier last week, I guess. Uh, and it is called creative pep talk. I don't know if you've heard of this by Andy J hmm. pizza. No. Uh, and uh, he's got like nearly, I think 300 episodes. So he's been doing it for a while. Uh, wow. but, uh, one, two episodes he calls out in his little trailer, uh, is episode 229, uh, where he talks about creative practice. And I think that's really important to know, uh, you know, going into your projects, what type of creator are you? Even if you know, you're a photographer, a videographer, what, what is the purpose uh, of, of what you're doing? right? How do you find that purpose? And then the second episode, which relates, it's really awesome. It kind of relates exactly to, to this show, uh, in this, this podcast, uh, is episode 202. So specifically on uh, creative pep talk, it's what to do if you feel like giving up and Jacob and I, you know, we can talk about all this stuff, but you should also look at other people, other creatives. I mean, this guy has done a lot of really awesome work, has worked with a lot of really cool, uh, companies, big, companies done a lot of really neat stuff uh and you know he talks about what what do you do feel like giving up so uh definitely give it a listen and uh it's it's fascinating stuff nice all right jacob what about you uh well uh this might be expected if you know me but now that it's officially over i feel like i can talk about it on this podcast Ooh, uh the falcon boy. and the winter soldier uh <laughs> just ended this week uh such a good show. Uh, I think, you know, when when you go into this show knowing that Sam Wilson, the character of the Falcon, had Captain America's shield, you know, I had that mindset of, oh, well, of course he's the next Captain America because that's what happens in the comics. But I think what this show does is really shows you why, no, this character is the next Captain America, not just because it's what you expected from the comics. And it explores a lot of really cool themes and uh, just the, the politics of, you know, Captain America in a post-Avengers Endgame world and uh, Bucky the Winter Soldier and his trauma from being the Winter Soldier uh, for 70-odd years as he was brainwashed and all that. It's just, it's really cool to see their dynamic as a as a buddy cop duo going along it's it's a really well done show and i, I really like it hmm. got a little bit of a break though the next marvel thing isn't until june when loki starts so i gotta figure out so, what to do with myself all the listeners out there we could take a sigh of relief oh get out of here <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it, Jacob. <laughs> I look forward to when they when you talk about Loki. Oh yeah, absolutely. All right, Nate. Where can the people find you? I'm on Twitter uh, at Nate Ulrich sixteen. That's N A T E U L R I C H one six. Please. If you have any questions, if you're interested in anything, please tweet at me and I will certainly respond. What about you, Jacob? Well, I have exciting news. No. Really? Yeah. So if you, listen, if you listened last week, uh, I talked about my idea for a new segment of the podcast where I take in suggestions for my new Twitter handle because I wasn't happy with at the Jacob Novak Uh mm-hmm. And I was thinking of make, making it a whole thing where I take suggestions or I have a poll to see what people preferred. But then Xander just comes in and says, at Jacob Yesfak is available, yep. uh, which is something that I believe our friend Harry popularized. I think mm-hmm. he was the first person mm-hmm. to, to call me that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was available. And so earlier today, I, I just went and changed it. I figured it's time. I like it. I'm going with it. So. Uh, ignore the previous 10 episodes. You can find me at Jacob Yesvac. <laughs> and it's yes, because the beginning of your last name is actually no. Correct. So yeah. it's just, you know, ending on a positive note, Jacob Yesvac. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Katza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.